Uh, would you stand with me this morning? And uh, let's read a passage from Ephesians chapter 6. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that it brings. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. Quicken us to hear what we need to hear, not just what we think someone else needs to hear. Quicken us, Lord God, so that we might truly be transformed to your image. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Some, uh, some topics are timeless. Some topics are always relevant. It's always appropriate to, uh, to, be, to be teaching about them. Uh, husbands and wives, marriage, as long as there are husbands and wives in marriage, we need to know what God's word has to say about that. Uh, parents and children, as long as there are going to be parents and, and children, we need to know what God's Word has to say about that. It's, uh, it's always appropriate. Uh, the same can be said for employers and employees. Uh, and even if you're not currently employed, the instruction for employees can, should, be applied to many areas of your life. I mean, you'll if you're paying attention at all, you'll see the parallels where that should happen. And, and even if you don't run a business, or you're not an owner, you're not a, a, a manager over, over people, uh, same thing. The principles taught here apply to all of life. Uh, and let me just say this before we go on into it. Don't get hung up on the terminology here. Don't get hung up on the master-slave uh, terminology that's used here. The terms will reflect the reality of the context in which the in which it's being used. Uh, you know, we we don't call things groovy anymore, but that doesn't mean that nothing's groovy. Uh, it just means that that's that's old terminology. That's a, that's a, that's an old context. Uh, this is not an endorsement of slavery. The Bible does not endorse slavery. People have used it at times. Going well, there it is. You know, master slaves. It says that the Bible's is, is uh, confirming right there that that's okay, that that's what's supposed to If that's what you see in this passage, then you've totally missed what the passage is saying. And it really anywhere in the Bible where it, where it addresses that, don't get hung up in that, in that terminology that's there. So let's start out with employees, which would be where most people, uh, I, I presume, in this room would fit. And there's, there's one underlying basic principle that applies to an employee, an employee who happens to be a Christian, for sure. Uh, and it's as if you were serving the Lord, not men. The best thing you can do for your employer is to quit working for him. 
Best thing you can do for your employer is to no longer be working for that person. Him or her, whichever it may happen to be. The best thing you can do is to realize that's not who my boss is. That's not, and we'll get into some other things here in a minute. I mean, it's not like, well, you're not my boss. You can't tell me what to do. Well, yes, they can tell you what to do, but that's not who you're working for. If you work for the Lord, then that changes everything. The whole, the whole perspective changes and things. And you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes things are in the scripture and people just don't know they're there. I had a fellow come up to me after the first service who I, I know his job is, is, is kind of tough and it's, it's a tough situation. He's kind of a new believer. And, you know, and he came up afterwards and went, wow, I really needed to hear that. I, that I'm working for the Lord. I didn't know that. I can, I can do that now. Uh, hey, so if you fit in that category, you, you've already heard something that you needed to know. You may have already known this and you may know it so well that you don't do it anymore. Because that can happen as well in our lives. In fact, that often is what happens. So uh, working for the Lord, not for men or women. And there's some um, uh, components to that that he puts in there. And the first component is R-E-S-P-E-C-T. With respect. That's how you're supposed to... That's how, that, that's, that's how you're supposed to approach the person that you work for. Uh, respect is not weakness. Res, respect, we have a tendency to think in, in this day and age that if you show respect to somebody, that that's just, that, that's just because you're, you're too weak to, to stand on your own two feet. That's ridiculous. The greatest warriors of all time were always showed respect. For whoever their enemy was. I mean, the, the, the greatest ones are the uh, successful ones. When David became king and the Philistines found out about it, they came up to, to fight against him. And, uh, and, and he went to the Lord and said, should I go attack them? And uh, will, I, will I have victory? And the Lord said, yeah, I'll go attack them. I'm going to give you victory. And so he did and bam, just wiped them out. Next year, the Philistines come back again. It's time for the game again. And, and you know, and it'd be kind of easy to go, well, you know, we beat them, what, 49 to 3 last time or something. Uh, no big deal here. That's not how David approached it. He went, Lord, should, what do I need to do here? And God said, well, you need to, yeah, you're, you're going you're gonna, to, I'm going to give you victory, but we're going to do it a little different this time. And you, you got to set, set this up and listen and wait for me to find out. David respected him, and, and he probably, I don't know, I think that was probably part of his wiring, part of his makeup anyway, but he, he probably, he could have learned it really in his first major encounter that we, that we found out about. Because Dave, when he went out to fight Goliath, I mean, Goliath had all the physical advantages, all of the training, all of the armor, all the size, all, everything like that. And of course, we know that the reason why David won was because the Lord was with him and, and he directed that stone and made all that happen. But Goliath had one huge weakness. One glaring weakness. And 1 Samuel 17, 42 says, He looked David over and saw he was little more than a boy, and he despised him. And as soon as you do that, I, you know, I'm not a soccer fan, but I think there was a big upset this week or something that happened. Uh, Y'all aren't soccer fans either, so don't, don't worry about it. Uh, but it would kind of be like, uh, you know, uh, Smyrna High's baseball team winning the World Series uh, is, is kind of how the, how the thing went down. It's kind of how it's described. 
when you, when you don't show respect, the people who don't show respect, people who consistently withhold respect do so because they are consistently insecure and because they don't respect themselves. You have to respect yourself before you can begin to give respect to somebody else. Otherwise, you feel too threatened to do that. Not every boss is due respect for their abilities. I thought I'd get an amen or two out of that. Not, not every boss is due respect for their abilities or their, or their capabilities to do the job, but they're due respect because they have the job and because they're a human being that Jesus Christ died on the cross for. And so respect is one of the things. Another word that's used here is respect and, and fear. Now, now, fear can be a bad, debilitating thing. I mean, it, but it's a, it's, a, it's a two-edged sword. It can also be a proper protective thing. Lack of fear is not a sign of courage. You've heard me mention this before. I have a 16-pound Pomeranian named Peanut, and he is fearless. And he, he'll, he'll go after anything. And I kind of understand, you know, him going after German Shepherds or uh, um, what's another big dog? I don't know. You know, they, huh? Rottweiler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he hadn't met one of those yet. But, uh, but yeah, I can kind of understand that. But, but Peanut, he goes, after, he, goes after, he goes after hawks. I mean, when hawks are doing like a low altitude uh, surveillance, of our, of our airspace. You know why hawks do low altitude surveillance? They want lunch. Yeah. And Peanut will just come out there. You know, and he thinks he's saying, get out of my yard. You know, and the hawk thinks he's saying, eat me. You know, and I just kind of have to go out there and put some, some sense in him. Some sense in his head, because he just. He, but he's fearless. But that's not necessarily courageous. Uh, sometimes fear can bring a wisdom in your life. I know that because I am totally afraid of the red hot burners on the top of a stove. And I learned that as a four year old. You know, if you've been here a while, you've heard me tell this story. I'm, I'm in my mother's uh, kitchen. It's long about, you know, eye height there. It's beautiful, glowing thing you know, on top of the stove. You know. I've never done that since. I, I've gained wisdom through proper fear. You don't have to tremble in your boss's presence because uh, he or she has the, can fire you or evaluate you on your, on your job. But you need to understand, they have power. Now, you do need to understand that. And, it, and it's proper that they do. Now, the balance between labor and management kind of comes and goes back and forth. Uh, however, this isn't about a macro social issue. This is about how you deal with another human being under God's direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And it may well take more courage to walk in respect and fear than it does to not. Around the water cooler, everybody's going, ah, that, man, you know, that. 
they need to get somebody who's not mentally challenged to run this place. They need to get somebody who's got some sense to, to know how to, how to put this thing together. I mean, that boss, blah, 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 blah. And it takes a lot of courage to be the one who goes, that's not right. You have bad spirit. That's a wrong attitude. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've mentioned this so many times before, but it's, it's just so true. You know, I, I remember going to Ezekiel Goody one time with an issue that I was right about. But he, he stopped me like 30 seconds in and goes, you have bad spirit. And I did. And it doesn't matter if you're right, if you've got a bad spirit. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter if you're right, if you've got a bad spirit. And it takes courage to be the one, because we live in a society that just loves to grumble and complain uh, and, and talk bad about whoever's over them. I mean, that's a national pastime. And it takes courage to be the one that goes, that's a bad spirit. That's wrong. And so you're serving the Lord. You're not, you're not serving your boss, you're serving the Lord, if you're, if you're a Christian here. And it says to do it with sincerity of heart. Keep it real. You know, it, it needs to be real. It, it doesn't need to be. And you may go, well, you know, I really hate that person. Well, work on it and get over it because you can. You, you can, in fact, get over it and it will become real in, in your life. Serve wholeheartedly. There's great joy in a job well done. I mean, there really is. This is my shed. I built that sucker. My son-in-law helped me put a couple of, uh, of rafters up on top of it. But aside from that, c'est moi. Seriously. You say, well, where'd you get the plants? I drew them. I drew the plans. I put the, I put the blocks down. You know, if you go inside, the floor's kind of wonky, but it really looks great, you know, from the outside. And not only that, that, that beautiful limb of that tree in front of that, I planted that. There's just, there's great satisfaction in doing a job and, and doing it and, and, and doing it well. Nobody likes a phony. You know, don't, nobody likes a phony. Don't, don't, don't fake it. Do it. Do it right. I, you know, when I was uh, when I was in high school, yeah, I got time. To, uh, and you know, I've told this before, but I'm going to tell it again, and I'm probably going to tell it other times as well in my life. Uh, high school is such a strange experience. I mean, the most uh, embarrassing, humiliating experience of my life happened in high school, and I ain't going to tell you about it because it's the most embarrassing, humiliating experience in my life. Uh, but then, you know, one of my, one of my highlights was when, uh, when Mr. Blair, who was our, our advanced math teacher, assigned uh, some graphs for us to do, wanted us to do graphs of uh, trigonomic functions. And I, uh, you know, we didn't have computers in those days to just kind of do stuff. We didn't have calculators in those days. You get right down to it. We had graph paper and, and we had a pencil. You know, that's what we have. We had colored pencils. So, you know, we were, you know, not just black and white anymore, but, but that was, you know, it's all we had. And, and I started doing these graphs and, and I went, this is, I, 
I, I can do this. I can really do this. And I did. I knocked it out. And, and Mr. Blair went crazy. It was great. It was wonderful. Uh, he, uh, when I handed the, the, the assignment in, he, uh, he stood up in front of the class and he went, Meek, these are extra. Okay, every, everybody, look here. Look here. This is what Meek did. This is, this is extra. And he went so crazy, he, went, he ran across the hall and he interrupted the senior English teacher in her class. Knocked on the door. Miss Sprouse, uh, you see what Meek oh, did for me? This is extra. Does he do this kind of work for you, Miss Sprouse? No, Mr. Blair, he doesn't do this kind of work. Well, he did for me. And, and you know, he just went crazy. Uh, but you know what? I didn't do them for Mr. Blair. I did them because I could. And it felt so good to do something so well. We have a tendency to want to do things for people's approval. But here's here's the last thing I want to do before we move on to the Lord will reward you. Now, I actually thought I had covered up the whole screen with that. So I'm obviously, uh, you know, that balances off my graphs thing. Uh, and then later on, I kind of got a verse wrong. But uh, the Lord will reward. Do you believe that? Really? You know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't... Uh, don't tithe, and they don't tithe because they don't believe that the Lord will take care of them if they do. They just don't believe the Lord will take care of them if they do. I go, well, no, I don't tithe for theological reasons. You don't believe. It's because you don't believe the Lord will take care of you if you do. There are things that it's easy to say we believe, and then putting it into practice is something else. And this is one of those things. We like recognition here and now. Whether it's, and certainly if it's in the, if it's monetary recognition, we like it. But I mean, we, we, we really like that. And, and it's, it's nothing new. It's how people have always been. Uh, back in Jesus' day over in, over in John chapter 5, uh, he said, how can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but don't seek the glory that comes from God? It, it impacts your ability to believe the word when you're looking for approval here instead of looking for it there. And later on uh, in, that, in, in John chapter 12, it says, uh, there were many who believed in him, but because of, Pharisees, uh, because of the Pharisees, they wouldn't openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved, the pra- they loved human praise more than praise from God. Who are you working for? Who, who are you looking for the reward from? Who, whose praise and approval do you really want? When I do um, funerals, I, uh, at the graveside, I always read 1 Corinthians 15. And the last verse of 1 Corinthians 15, 1558, says this, and it's just... Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know 
that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I think that we have a tendency to, to look at that passage and go, okay, well, that means that I, that I need to be handing out tracts or, or going on the mission field, or I, I need to be preaching or witnessing to somebody. You know, that's the work of the Lord. Well, if that's the only time you're working for the Lord, then that is the work of the Lord. But if you're working for the Lord when you're cooking that burger, if you're working for the Lord when you're driving that truck, if you're working for the Lord when you're swinging that hammer, then you got this. Nothing that you do can be in vain. He will reward you for it. So, employees. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, employers, let's, uh, let's, let's move over here. Um, be aware, if you own a business or if you are a manager and you're responsible for a lot of people under you or something like that, uh, be aware you're under authority. You, you may own the business, but it isn't your business. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I mean, you know, whether it's Karen's custard or Nissan, you know, whether, whether it's a, 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 a cottage, mom and pop, something or other, or a Fortune 500 company, it belongs to the Lord. So really, you're, you're, just, you're just a caretaker for a while. And it's important to know that. And God's got a lot to say about the way that you Treat those over whom you've been given charge. And that's why I say that, you know, this may apply to areas, this will apply to areas uh, of people's lives, even if they don't own a business. But let's say that you do. Uh, God's got a lot to say about those, how you treat those over whom you've been given a charge. Over in James chapter 5, and it's not verses 4 and 3, we're going to do 3 and 4. Uh, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look. The wages you fail to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. I don't think that's just about withheld wages. I personally think that it applies to unjust pay as well. Okay. Not getting political here, but maybe I am. I don't understand why somebody who works full time isn't supposed to make enough money to live on. I just don't. I don't get it. I don't understand it. If you if you if you work full time, you ought to be able to live on what you on what you make. Just just that simple. Uh, I think it falls under this. I, I absolutely do. And you can't just point to the laws of man. You can't just go, well, you know, this is what the local ordinance is, or this is what the, the, the federal regulation was, or, or whatever like this. No, over in, uh, over in Isaiah's time, uh, he said, woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who... It, did, you, did you know there are unjust laws? 
Did, did y'all, were you aware that it was possible for that to happen? Woe to those who make unjust laws, uh, who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning? Do you believe there's going to be a day of reckoning? There is. What will you do on that day? When disaster comes through, will you hire a lawyer to stand before God and go, well, now, God, ordinance uh, 15.2 said this, and, you know, my client was perfectly within his rights to do that. I don't think God really cares what ordinance 15.2 said. Right is right. And treating people right is treating people right. Just, just that simple. Well, some would say, well, you know, I, I took the risk and, and put in all the, the hard work when, and, so I should get the reward. I totally, yes, I totally agree. With, I'm good with that. I, I'm totally good with the person who, who takes the risk and puts in a lot of hard work. I'm totally good with them getting rich, making a lot of money. I, I, don't, have, I don't have a problem with that. That's not the side that I've got the problem on. The side that I've got the problem on is turning... Is, is making all that money by turning these people that you have and messing up their lives by treating them like a profit center. Hallelujah. So, three things to consider if you're in this position, if you're in that position. The first one is, you didn't do it yourself. And we, you know, we have such, I mean, yeah, okay, I built that beautiful shed, I know. You're envious, but at the same time, I'm not quite sure I could do it again. I am not as excited about getting up on roofs as I used to be. But God had given me the youth and the ability to do some things. It says over in in Deuteronomy, it's pretty clear, you may say to yourself, my power, the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, it's He who gave you the ability to produce wealth. It's He who gave you the intelligence. It's He who gave you the ideas. It's He who gave you the, who gave you the people who have helped you get there, who created the opportunities for you to get there. Uh, I, I mentioned, um, I think I mentioned this a couple of years ago, but uh, it's certainly appropriate here. A pastor friend of mine, I was at lunch with one day, um, saying the ridiculous statement, poor people are only poor because they want to be. How many of you want to be poor? You know, if we went down on uh, uh, under the bridge in town where the homeless are and, and took a poll and, and went, how many of you really like being poor? I don't think you're going to get many positive responses to that. That's not it. You know, and, and, I, and I told the fellow, look. But see, he had, he had grown up in poverty and he'd become very successful. But I said... You've got a lot of advantages. You may have grown up in poverty, but you know, you're uh, uh, notwithstanding what the stupid thing you just said, you're actually a pretty bright fella. 
There's a reason why average is called average, and you're not it. You know, if you if you're take 30 points off your IQ, take take several levels off of the talent that you've been given, make you like a regular person, and then, you know, then let's see how successful you may end up being. You know, uh, put yourself in a in a in a in a situation where you grow up you know, without a father and an alcoholic mother or, or you know, something like that and, and go into the poorest schools in town as opposed to a, a loving Christian family that supported you in the things that you did and teachers that cared. And, and it's not that, that, that there are, well, I guess maybe there are teachers who don't care, but there are teachers who care more, you know, when, when it's smaller and, and they have the ability, they have the, the, uh, the opportunity to care, you know, uh, you didn't do this yourself. God put things, God helped you. God, God put things in your, in your way. And so, you know, that's the first thing to remember. The second thing to remember is this. You know, just how much is enough? You get right down to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, you, if you're successful, buy the car, buy the house, take the trips, have the clothes and everything, but after you've done that, remember the parable of the rich fool? After you've done that, don't build bigger barns. Don't decide, I've got everything I need and I've got more. What am I going to do with it? Well, it's for me. I will make me richer and happier and more secure. This is the parable of the rich fool. Not everybody who's rich is a fool. Some people are rich and they're wise, but some people are rich and they're fools. And the difference between the two is one group thinks that their wealth is for them. And the other group understands that their wealth might be for something else. Might, might be for something that's actually more important. And that brings me to the third thing to remember, and that's this. Money isn't the real reward. If you're a successful business owner, and, and we have a few in the church that I know personally, and I know that they take this, I know that they have this approach, this attitude. If you're a successful business owner, you have been given a, a wonderful opportunity to bless others and to help their lives be better than they would be otherwise if you weren't successful. If they, were, if, they, if they were having to deal with someone else instead of dealing with you. you you've been given this, this rich blessing to be able to, to, to reach down and, and pick somebody up and, and, and bless their lives. Our son uh, started a bakery, and, uh, and the Lord's just you know, poured out his blessings on it, and it's been extremely successful, and I'm proud of him. But I'm not, the thing that I'm the proudest of isn't how successful the business has been. The thing that I'm the proudest of is how he treats the people who work for him. Because it isn't just about giving them more money. It's also about considering that they actually have a life outside of that bakery or 
that garage or that restaurant or that store or whatever it is, that they actually have a life, that they actually have a family that needs to see them occasionally. They actually have things that they need to do. And he accommodates that. And I'm just going, yeah, that's my boy. And you know, when God blesses somebody and puts them in a position where they can help others and they do it, I got to think that God feels like, yeah, that's mine. That's my gal. That's my boy. That's, that's, what you, that's what I'm talking about. In fact, that is what he's talking about. Get right down to it. And so those three things, and let me, let me, let me shut out, close out with this. God does not show favoritism. I mean, understand that uh, when Paul, when Paul, Peter, when Peter went to Cornelius's house and all these Gentiles were in there and they wanted to hear about the gospel, he, uh, he, uh, first thing he said was, you know, I, I think I'm, I think I'm about to get it that God is no respecter of persons. You know, he'll do for the Gentiles what he did for the Jews. Well, now if he'll do for the Gentiles what he did for the Jews, there aren't, he'll do for anybody what he'll do for anybody else. I mean, if, 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 if that's not a barrier, nothing is. And God doesn't look at the world and see beautiful people and not beautiful people. That's not the way that he, that's not how he rolls. That's not the way that he, that he puts things together. That's, that's how man looks at things. That's not how God looks at things. In fact, the not beautiful people perhaps even have an advantage here because Jesus says, you know, when this is all said and done, when the kingdom finally does come, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and the whole world does get turned upside down and the world system is wiped out, there's some who are first right now who are going to be last. There are others who are last who are going to be first. And that's, that's the truth. That's what we're praying for to have happen. No wonder in his first sermon, Jesus declared that he was anointed by the Holy Ghost to come, and the first thing he was supposed to do was preach good news to the poor, who don't normally get to hear much good news. So, you have much and have been given charge over others, need to approach that responsibility as a servant. Because you see, they haven't just been given to you to make your life better. You've been given to them to make their life better as well. And those who are employees, respect, sincerity. Do your best because you're not working for them. You're working for the Lord. And the conclusion of the matter is this. Servant or master, rich or poor, brilliant or dull, graceful or clumsy, young or old, large or small, we are all accountable to the Lord for what we do and how we treat each other.